I was praying about what to preach on today, kind of going through the scriptures, and I landed in the book of Philippians. And the Philippians is just a great book. It's a short four-chapter book. And I felt like the Lord was saying, preach on Philippians. So here we go. We're going to take a look at the book of Philippians today. We're going to go through it. I labeled today's sermon, Pressing On Towards the Goal. Pressing On Towards the Goal. And it's based on Philippians three, thirteen through 14, if we could bring that up. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. And Paul did that very, very well. So before we kind of really dig in, I thought it'd be good to go through and just take a look, get a little background here on Apostle Paul and the Philippians, and then we'll dive in. Like I said, Philippians is a really short book. It's about four chapters, four chapters long. But I think it's one of those books we should endeavor to read like every four to six months, help us get a good perspective as to what's going on. Um, Paul wrote this book in around 61 AD, and he wrote it while he was in prison. And that's an important thing to remember as we're going through this. He was in prison. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. 13. I would say he was one of the most influential apostles of all time. And he has many different looks to his writings. For instance, he wrote to the Romans, basically to work his way through salvation and what that kind of looked like. Questions on that? He addressed some of that. He wrote to Corinthians, because they were uh, an interesting church. (laughs) They had a lot of issues, they had a lot of problems, so he had to write to them to deal with questions they had, with things that were going on, things that needed to be addressed. He wrote to Timothy and Titus, basically writing to them as their mentor, kind of encouraging them, kind of helping them to move forward in what they were doing and what God was calling them to do. And then we get to Philippians. He wrote to the Philippians, and it is really a joy-filled book, filled with thanksgiving. So he didn't write to them to respond to any particular crisis or any situation that was happening. Instead, he wanted to thank them and show his appreciation for them. And he wanted to encourage them. You see, the Philippian church was probably the church that supported Paul the most in his ministry. I would say uh, they prayed for him all the time and he prayed for them. I would venture to say that a lot of folks from that area helped Paul in many different ways with some of the adventures that he was on. And they uh, supported him a lot financially. Sometimes when nobody else was, uh, the Philippian church supported Paul. So he wanted to encourage them to continue to live out their faith and their joy in unity. You see, it doesn't take a long time of living in this world to understand that we are going to face some very challenging times. It starts all the way from when we're wee little kids and we face some of the difficulties we face as kids. 
really aware of what the world is really about, and then we become teenagers, and some of the difficulties seem like the end of the world. And then we become young adults, and then we continue in our walk and mature, and we get older. But there's always challenges and difficulties and circumstances that we face that really um, test our faith in many different ways. They challenge us. But we as believers, we can face those challenges secure in who Christ is and secure in the promises that he has for us. We can stand on that. And I would venture to say, I would argue that those challenging times that come our way is what really helps us to grow. It's when we find out what's really deep down inside of us. Sometimes it's not the prettiest thing that comes out, but that's okay. You see, Paul was a man who faced many challenges, many. He was thrown in jail. He was beaten many times. He was stoned just about to death. The Bible tells us he has this thing in his side, this thorn, that he pleaded with God many times, what, three times or so, to just take it away. The Bible tells us it's a messenger from Satan, but we're not 100% sure exactly what that thorn was. But God said, I am here with you, and when you are weak, I am strong. And so bear with me. (laughs) It wasn't taken away. He had to learn how to deal with it. But he continued. He continued what God called him to do. And I, I go through the book of Philippians, and he's continually pressing on towards the goal, never giving up. And I thought it'd be good to look into the book and ask, how did he do it? How did he do that? So we're going to dive into the book of Philippians, and we're going to see what Paul said about this. And then we're going to have something at the end that we can take away from it and we can apply for ourselves today. So we'll pray and we will get started in the book of Philippians. Father, we thank you for today. God, each one of us are here today and we are facing different circumstances We are in different spots in our life. We are in different areas in our walk with you. And we certainly all need a touch from you. And that touch can look different for each person. So I pray that you would meet us here today. That you would touch our hearts in a way that would change us forever. That you would open our eyes. And Father, we say that we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all right, let's loosen up a little bit. We'll get started. First thing, pressing on. Pressing on towards the goal. This is, there's two different aspects in which we can look at this. One, there's an individual calling on pressing on that we're going to take a look at in the book of Philippians. And then part two, there's a corporate calling for pressing on. And so after we look at the individual side of it, we'll take a look at the corporate side and just touch on that briefly. So let's get started. Let's pull up Philippians 2.5. This is a very short verse, and it's something that we will work on for the rest of our life. 
Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He starts out Philippians and Philippians 2 saying that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So here we can see that Paul is telling us, he's saying that it starts with our attitude. It starts with our attitude. And I can stand up here and tell you that there are some times where we just have to choose our attitude. If we rely on our circumstances to feed our attitude or we're looking at the wrong thing, our attitude can go downhill real fast. It's happened to me many times, and I can, I can say this, that when it does, it's not good for my wife or my kids either. So if I can learn to have the right attitude, things just seem to go all the better. So probably like six, seven years ago or so, uh, Nicole, she bought a devotional book. I think it was Streams in the Desert, um, and it's a great devotional book. And we must have bought it used because inside the book was a note. See, I was going through some very, very challenging times at the time. It had to do with health issues and stuff. But inside the book was a note, and it said this, that suffering is inevitable, but misery is optional. It says, suffering is inevitable, but misery is optional. And so that was the first thing that I got out of that book. And I took it, and I put it on my fridge, and today it is still there. And I put it on my fridge because I go in the kitchen every day, and I knew that I needed to look at that note to remind myself when times were tough that I have to choose my attitude and that it's possible to do that. And that even during the difficult circumstances, if we choose to have a right attitude, and I'll tell you, it's something that we can learn. It's learned. And as we go through the book of Philippians, we'll see, because Paul talks about it, a lot of this stuff, we can learn to do it. It takes time. In fact, I would say it takes our whole life, because we slowly get better at it. We can look at this year and say, I'm better at those things this year than what I was last year. And next year, I want to be even better. So it's still on my fridge. Because every day, I want to look at that. And I want to remember. I want to remember that I can choose to have the right attitude. So let's go to Philippians 3, 3 through 4 now. Philippians 3, 3 through 4. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I have more. It's almost like Paul thinks a little highly of himself there. (laughs) Yeah. Basically what he's telling us and what he, I think, learned was that we are to put our confidence in Jesus Christ. We're to put our confidence in Jesus Christ and nothing else. But I'll say this. Once we put our confidence in Jesus Christ, we can then put our confidence in ourselves as we are in him. That's when we can put our confidence in ourselves, when we're in him. You see, Paul, he he had a lineage to stand on. Back then, he was 2,000 years ago, he was training to be a Pharisee, and he was good at it. He was ahead of a lot of the other people that he was uh, training with. 
he was training under someone who was really, really great. And so he was learning to be a Pharisee. And he was a smart guy. And he learned one of the most important things, to put his faith and his trust and his confidence in Jesus Christ. Of course, we have to do our part, right? Just like Robin had talked about here, God has plans for us. That was a great word because I'm going to touch on that in a little bit here. We have to do our part, and then God will do his part. You see, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says this, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So let's move along here to Philippians 3, 7 through 8. Philippians 3, 7 through 8. But whatever I was to profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. I was looking at this. And basically, what Paul is talking about here is being open to a change of your plans. Being open to a change of your plans. Because that's what Paul had to do. That's why he was talking about forgetting what is behind. God had different plans for him. And it took quite the encounter for him to figure that out. But he's talking about a change of plans here. It's no longer... Paul's plans, but it's God's plan for Paul. This is where Paul's life shifted. This is where he had a major major shift in his life. This is where he left his old life for the promise of a new one. This is where everything that he was training for, everything that he was raised for, everything that he understood in his head, was now to be changed. He had to relearn things. He had to refocus. This is where he answered the call. So remember Pastor Mike's last series, Highways. God's ways are higher than our ways. And that's what Paul was figuring out. So we'll move along now to Philippians 4, 8 through 9. See, we're almost through the book of Philippians. That fast. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And so you can see here, Paul says, whatever you have learned, whatever you have learned, it's a process of learning. It's a process of learning. Sometimes I think we can be too hard on ourselves. Sometimes I think we think we have to have it all figured out or we have to change overnight. And I would say that it can be a long process sometimes. Sometimes overnight thing happens, but I would say most of the time it's a long process. So our thoughts and our focus here is what Paul is talking about. What are we focusing on? What are we thinking about? What is our mind 
and our thoughts focusing on. Because if we go back to eight, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, think about these things. Think about them. If we can learn to focus on those things and keep our perspective in the middle of trials and difficulties, it will help us tremendously. Let's go to Philippians 4, 11 through 13. So I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So if we could go back just one again. There it is again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul learned the secret. I wonder how long it took him to learn it. I bet you it took quite some time. And we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. You see, the word joy and rejoice is mentioned at least 16 times in the book of Philippians. 16 times in this small four-chapter book. And I would argue that the whole Philippians book is a testament to the importance of living a joy-filled life. But the challenge is doing it in spite of our circumstances. Doing it in spite of what is coming against us, in spite of what is afflicting us, in spite of what is right in front of our face trying to knock us right down. So, we got to take a look at it from an individual calling of pressing on. Let's take a look at it corporately now. And let's go to Philippians 2, 1 through 2. Philippians 2, 1 through 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. So here Paul is talking to the Philippian church, and he is saying, be like-minded. Have the same love and be one in spirit and one in purpose. Some of you here may have heard that we are planning on planting a campus church in Morgan Park come September 24th. And I just got the keys and signed a lease for it yesterday. Yesterday morning. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to be one church, one church in multiple locations. It's been a journey for many years. And these last six months or so, there's been a lot of things that have come together. We've been raising funds, which we still are. But we are very, very close to our matching grant of $45,000. We had just signed our lease. Finding a venue was an extremely important part. And, of course, God waited until the very last minute, which drove me nuts. (laughs) But that's what he likes to do. And it's going to work. It's a place that was on our hearts actually years ago. 
but we never for sure knew where we were going to land. And yesterday we signed the lease and we got the keys. And we have been looking for volunteers. And so I get to put a plug in this morning. If anyone is interested, we have 20 volunteers. We have five families who are living in Morgan Park who are going to be a part of this. Five families. And we have a group of people from Good Hope Church here who have committed to coming to Good Hope Church in Morgan Park and who are going to volunteer and who are going to sacrifice their time so that we can do this. So if anyone, you know, is feeling like God is stirring them in any particular way, come find me or Nicole and we can talk. We can have some coffee together and I can share my heart with you. But see, this is kind of like the Philippians and Paul 2,000 years ago, what they were doing. You know, back then, 2,000 years ago, the church was one, right? The church was one church. It was just kind of starting, and Paul was going around doing a bunch of little campus churches. (laughs) And we're believing for what God is calling us to do. We are being like-minded. We are being one in spirit. And we are being one in purpose, and we're putting it into practice. And you see, your part in this is huge, just like the Philippians part with Paul. Now, by no means am I comparing myself to Paul, not, 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 not at all. But I see the relationship they had. I see how they did things, and I see how they supported each other and how they loved each other. And that's what we are doing. Your support through prayer is huge. I believe prayer moves the hand of God. I believe prayer is the foundation on which everything should be planted or founded or done on. And this is, prayer has been in this for for many, many years. And now we have a big group of people praying. And I think that is very, very important. Your support through folks who are volunteering, like I was just talking about, it's huge. It's good to start this out good and strong so that we can do it right the first time. Your support through financial giving has been big. See, we're going to establish a healthy, life-giving church in an area that desperately needs it. We're going to see people's lives changed. We're going to see families changed. The gospel will be preached and the kingdom will be expanded. How do we do this? How did Paul do it? How did Paul continually forget what is behind, strain towards what is ahead, and press on towards the goal? Guy was like a machine. He just never quit. How did he do it? I believe it starts individually. We're just going to take a quick look at this. I'd like to give us some bullet points, something we can write on a piece of paper that we can put on our fridge that we can tangibly go to that will help us. You see, Paul understood who he was in Christ. He understood what he was doing, and he understood why he was doing it. The main theme of Philippians is joy joy. Learning to choose joy. 
learning to be thankful in spite of the circumstances. Now, for some people, this is easier. That's just the fact of the matter. For some people, they look and the glass is always half full. For others, it's a little tougher. doesn't matter the circumstances. The glass seems to be half empty. But for all of us, we can change. I believe it's a process of learning. It's a process of recognizing. And then it's a process of applying. So here's my five takeaways from the book of Philippians, from what Paul said. One, to have the right attitude. We can choose to have the right attitude. Sometimes. All the times. <laughs> have confidence in Christ. For those of us who are believers, have confidence in Jesus Christ. Follow God's plan for your life. This is where I was saying I was going to touch on what Robin was talking about. Because God has a plan for each and every person here. He knew us before we were born. He knows every hair on our head. And he has a specific plan for each and every person here. And here's the deal. We can miss that plan. We can go through the, our whole life. And we cannot follow the plan that God has for us. So follow God's plan for your life. And I know sometimes it's hard to figure out what that is. But it's different for everyone. Some people are called to be missionaries. Some people are called to be pastors. But I would say most people are called to live the life they're currently living and just live it as someone who loves Jesus. Right? And gets in the game. Focus on what is good. It's another thing we got to learn. Learn how to focus on what is good. And then finally, just put it all into practice. I would say write those five things down on a piece of paper. Put them on your fridge and look at them every day. Because for me, it really was a process of learning it and applying it. And still, still is that process, and I believe that it will be for the rest of my life. But we can get better and better, right? We can. Because here's the deal. Our circumstances will begin to have less and less power over us, right? We will still face the circumstances, but they will have less power over us. It keeps our hearts from being jaded. That's an important one. If our hearts become jaded or tough or dark, it's hard to make that connection with God sometimes. So it keeps our hearts from being jaded. Our joy will become more and more evident to the people around us, which is very important as believers in Christ. We should hopefully be having something that they can see and that they want and that we can offer to them that this world cannot. Then, I believe, and only then, can we start the process of forgetting what is behind Straining towards what is ahead and pressing on towards the goal and then doing it corporately, I think that will just naturally happen. So let's pray. Father, man, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you that you are above all circumstances that we face. 
God, and I just pray that you would help us walk through the process of understanding what it is like to choose the right attitude. Father, help us to have confidence in who you are and who your son Jesus Christ is. God, help us to connect with the plans that you have for our life. And help us to stay focused on what is good. And Father, help us to put it all into practice. And help us to understand that we're never going to be perfect and to not be so tough on ourselves, but to take it one day at a time, one month, one year at a time, and just work on getting a little bit better. Because that's all you ask of us, is to continue to move forward, to be overcomers, to be your children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.